Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. This is Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics, and I'm joined by our Managing Director, David Byram. Hey, DB. Good afternoon, Dom. It's great to be back in the studio with you. It's a beautiful sunny day outside in Sydney today. Summer's arriving. I think it's going to hit to uh, 30 today and mid-30s tomorrow. I know. Time to break out the uh, swimmers. Almost. Almost. How much hotter does it need to get? My gosh. I live a little bit further out, Dom. That's true. Actually, I'm planning on taking my my son. So he's uh, three and a half months trying to get him into the pool soon. So that'd be fun. But we're not here to talk about swimming and uh, swimming with infants. We actually, this week, DB, I've got a letter from a listener, and it's a great question, so I want to bring it, bring it on here and get your thoughts on it. And it's really around kind of dealing with subcultures and stuff. So let, let me read it, and then let's get into it. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. So this listener says, I'm an avid listener of your Culture Bites podcast. That's fantastic. Love to hear it. I've learned a lot through your podcast as I've come from a community development background and am now in an internal facing position trying to improve the culture of an organization. My organization is local government, which has 750 employees across 30 sites. So 750 employees across 30 sites. I'm finding local government such a diverse and complex organization as it ranges from librarians to rubbish collectors and everything in between. There are multiple subcultures and staff receive different levels of information as some are office bound while others are out in the field, not checking emails at all. The data shows that we are a passive defensive place. The data also shows most people are engaged with their work with their direct team, but few feel part of the whole organization. My question to you is, how do you develop a cohesive culture in such a diverse organization with limited resources? What a great question. What a great question. What are, so we'll, let's, let's pull out what are the key elements of that. So Multiple units. Multi, so 30 plus sites, yeah. 750 employees, and really diverse things that people are doing, yeah. right? So you've got people in offices, people out in the field. Diverse roles too. All sorts of div- diverse roles yeah. even within those two categories. I guess, yeah, some people you can send emails to, others you can't, all that stuff. And... The key one there, I thought, was people identify with their team, their direct subunit, if you like, but not necessarily with the wider organization. Yeah, they're not connected mm. more broadly. Mm. It's a wonderful question, and I think it brings up the opportunity to talk about subcultures. Mm. And from memory, I don't think we've had a, a big podcast on subcultures before. We haven't, no. So subcultures are real. Subcultures exist. We know it. We see it in the data. And we're going to address these multiple subcultures to get this overall culture. And in fact, there's some really good rationale and some good logic that if we get all the subunit cultures to be constructive, the mm-hmm. overall culture will be constructive. Right. Just pulling it all together. I think the, the starting point for me, though, is around that aspirational culture mm. and helping all the subunits understand that we actually all want the same. Mm. We're all striving towards this constructive culture to help them see the gap to their aspirational, their ideal or desired culture and their actual culture. And there's some clever ways and we're all learning and we're, we're growing and developing as well that you can do that through sprints and getting teams uh-huh. together to talk around. So what are our aspirational behaviors? Uh-huh. How would we like to behave? Uh-huh. What would bring the best out in us? 
and let them set their their benchmark, their target, it will be predominantly constructive. And on that note, DB, so before we came to the studio today, I was literally doing a culture sprint with an organization who have a diverse workforce. So it's in the in the medical industry. And so they've got people who are, you know, surgeons and in wards and stuff. And they've got people who are on computers and like hotel services staff who who do the catering and all that kind of stuff. Really, 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 really diverse workforce. But guess what? They all want a constructive culture. They all said that that would bring out the best in them. So it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely awesome. And that's a great example coming out of the health sector because it's it's as diverse as local government. They mm. would have people from the practitioners, the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons, to people in the facilities around food. They might even have cleaning in-house. You've even got the maintenance teams who are providing all the maintenance services for yep. the, the gas. You've got the dock for receiving things. Yep. So it's, yep. it's equally as diverse. And these sprint ideas to, to work on the desired culture, because I like what you just said, both intact teams, but mm. also cross-functional teams. Mm. They both work and they're powerful. I actually personally think the cross-functional team sprints are a little bit better, purely because I get to see that I'm more same than I am different. 100%. So as an employee, yeah, my role is different to you and I might be in the field versus in an office and I do a different task, but we're aspiring to be the same things. Then how do we do it? So it's a really good starting point when we talk about subcultures or, or unit cultures is recognizing that what we desire to be is very much aligned. And so, so just because we're talking about sprint and stuff and just to make sure people are on the same page with us, because I know you and I know what that means. But it's really about getting people together and simply asking, you know, what's the kind of culture that's going to bring out the best in you, where you can be your best. And then we use either OCI paper copy, where people can fill it out and see, you know, what does that culture look like? And I think, as you say, with the cross-functional team, because a lot of these organizations, as I think this listener is pointing to, is that there's kind of silos, right? Because we identify with our team, but we don't identify with the organization. And I think one of the things it starts breaking down that silo is the recognition that, hey, actually, we all have the same goal. We're yeah. all looking to do the same thing. I think that's, you're spot on, Dom. And that, that OCR, OCI rather, no, no carbon required, is a really great way to do it because it actually really quantifies it. And you can see where the percentile is of our ideal culture, desired culture. The other technique you can use to warm them up is to get them to write on poster notes, the values we aspire, the behaviors uh-huh. we aspire that would uh-huh. bring the best out of us. And you get those poster notes and get them to throw them all over uh, the circumplex. Uh. And you'll see all those values that it aspire are all going to be around the constructive styles. Then you use the NCR to quantify it yep. and bring it to life. Really good point defining the sprint. It's cool. It's very like, uh, almost like crowdsourcing mm-hmm. the culture you want. And then the challenges, and as per the listener in the, the letter we received, is I have this diversity of cultures. Mm. I have these multiple different cultures. Mm. So the challenge really becomes, and I was with a group this morning as well, and I said, sometimes diagnosing culture and working out what to work on, it's a little bit like Cluedo. It's rich room. Not that we're murdering anybody, <laughs> um, but it's uh, how do we go about it? It's a, bit, it's a problem-solving puzzle. Mm. And data is helpful. So oh. getting some data at these subunit levels can really pinpoint and hone in what could I work 
work on. I just want to pause for a sec because the overall organizational data will probably point you to some organizational systemic challenges that you need to work out at an organizational level. Yeah. So there's this balance we've got to strike, and it depends what your data is. We can't just say we're going to work organizationally wide, and we can't just say we're going to work at subunit wide. Yeah. You've got to work both levels, and yeah. you've got to communicate really well. Yeah. And it's key that it's not just at that top level, because I think sometimes people think, okay, they're going to go fix it all, and I don't have to do anything. And it's not the case, right? No, absolutely not the case. Culture starts at the ground and at, right at that frontline ground level. So depending on what your data says and what you look at, but there are a couple of general themes that I always probably look at at a, at a unit level. Uh-huh. And the classic we'd all look at would be leadership. Uh-huh. So if I was to look at a, a unit culture or a department culture and using the causal factors from one of our earlier podcasts, I'd be looking at the, the leadership measures and what's the feedback around the leaders because the, the questions are about my immediate leader or supervisor. So what's that showing and what messages do the leaders actually put through? So do the leaders role model the culture we are aspiring to do or the leaders actually creating a culture that we, we currently have, which would be what they are doing? After leadership, if leadership's the driver, you could then start working individually with these leaders. So helping the team leaders, the supervisors, the middle managers really understand how to be constructive. Uh. And what we've seen with a couple of clients we've been working with at a subunit level is that these team leaders, supervisors, middle managers are behaving in a way to fit the culture they think it is, Uh. which is probably not as constructive as what would bring the best out of them. So helping them understand what great leadership is, helping them understand what a great culture looks like and the behaviors look like. And they could be all done through different means. Some of it would be training. Uh. Some of it would be self-awareness. Some of it might be one-on-one coaching Uh. and getting their leaders actually out visible because it does start and does ripple. So DB with that, because the listener talked about, you know, a really diverse workforce, right? So how do you approach like a leadership training, for instance, given that you're going to have such a diverse range of, you know, the things leaders are doing and stuff. Does that impact it at all, how you deliver it? Or? Yeah, it certainly impacts the, the mechanics of how you deliver. Um, so, and I think there's no one way is what I would say. Uh. And you've got to hit all the mediums. I'm going to talk about communication a bit, a bit later on, but from a leadership lens, I think there's some fundamental core knowledge you want to build. Uh. So the challenge is how do we build that core knowledge? The second piece is how do I coach, mentor and continue the journey of development. Uh-huh. So, so if I'm going to coach and mentor somebody, it means somebody's got to be assigned to coaching and mentoring. Uh-huh. It's not just, it doesn't happen by itself. It's going to be part of a role. So once I've built the knowledge and I've done the coaching and the men- mentoring, it's how do we ongoing review and keep it alive? Uh-huh. So what systems, processes do I have in place that encourage people to share stories, share their learnings, to network together, uh-huh. to come together and talk about some of the the leadership practices of their role rather than the content of the role uh. and the doing of the role. So my challenge would be don't get tied to locking people into classroom training. Don't get tied to loading up some webinars and log into the webinars and do the, do uh. the training. I don't think there's one way that will work. 
What does work well though and sustains it is active coaching. So do you reckon in, in this case, you know, there's talk of, you know, everything from librarians to rubbish collectors and everything in between, would you have different streams for the different types of workers or would you jumble it up or? I would actually cross-functional. There's always a formal and a coach component. Mm. I would cross-functionalize it. So I would mix everybody in together for the formal part. And then for the coaching part, and what I've seen work well is the, your immediate coach is your leader. They should be your day-to-day coach, right. your point of contact. But the challenge I put to leaders I work with is how do your leaders coach cross-functionally? Mm. And there's a double win here, right? They learn more about the business because they're coaching outside of their domain, mm. which is fantastic. But the person they're coaching sees the broader side of the business as well. So it's easy to coach in function. So the challenge I put to people is how do you coach cross-function? The second lever I talk about with subcultures is all around communication. And I think the letter referenced some means of communication. Yeah. So it talked about how some people are in the office and can receive emails and others in the field. So how do you kind of get through to them? Yeah, it's a and it's a challenge, right? Because there's no one mode of communications that's going to suit everybody. Which is even true with all the office-bound workers as well. That is absolutely true. Some people like the Yammer or mm-hmm. the Microsoft Teams as we use and the posting that way. Some people read their emails. Some people might read the news, the news board. Mm. There are so many different media to communicate and send messages. Mm. And I think the challenge is to use those multiple challenges, uh, channels. Channels, yeah. Yeah. You've got to use all the channels. Podcasting's a channel. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, uh, I'm doing some work with, with a client who are, we're doing a private podcast with them, you know, where it's a, it's a rollout tool because people can download it and listen to it in their own time and it's a bit more personal and stuff. So there are other channels like that that, that you can go to. And I think it's repetition as well. I think people often, well, we've sent out the email, so... Everyone must have read it and fully <laughs> have internalized it. But I think you've got to repeat the same messages. So doing these sprints, for instance, we have a, you know, we've sent out messages to the organization about why we're doing this culture project and all that kind of stuff. And then we have an executive open the sprint sessions and, you know, to some extent restate some of the things, you know, this is why we're doing it, blah, blah. But that repetition of message now in person helps it get through, you know, or helps it stick in people's minds. Yeah. And I think there's a simple golden rule that I run to for comms. So use the multiple channels, but the golden rule I follow, it's uh, P-A-C-I. What's that? So the golden rule is it's make it personal. So the P is for personal. It's got to mean something to mm. me. Mm. Um so if it's through a video or a vlog, I think they're called vlogs now, aren't oh, they? Look um, who's on trend, eh? So <laughs> it's a, a vlog or a blog or a newsletter. Or a podcast. Or a podcast. How is it personal to me? All right. So my, my P is personal. So, and which is challenging, right? So often you might need to tweak the message to make it personal. You know, one of the simplest and one of the best things I've seen for personal is uh, a letter to home. And it might be just Dear David or Dear Dominic and signed off, but it's personal because I've got it at home. And if it's about a news and what's going on. You send it to the person's home. Send it to the person's home. Yeah, right. Because adults are not too dissimilar to children, right? And particularly if it's a 
recognition letter or award and recognition. Mm. It's a bit like the certificate the kids put on the fridge. Mm. The letter will get shared. Mm. So it's somewhat personal. Mm. Sometimes it can be hard, but how do you make it personal? The A is for accurate. So you want to make sure the, the communication is uh, on point. All right. Mm. It's, it's correct. And it's actually clear. All right. So that accurate piece is really hard. You want to make sure the message is clearly understood, it's on point, it's factual, and people can hear it straight. It's not coming from the third hand uh, and tweaked or tailored or tweaked as it gets passed down the line. People's BS meters are well honed yeah. for such things. Yeah. My C is consistent. The challenge with communication and um, as leaders is you set expectations, and we do a monthly newsletter that comes out, and you've got to get it out every month. If that's what you do, you, mm. you've got to get it out mm. because all of a sudden you've set the new paradigm, you've set the new domain. Mm. So if you're doing a, a media blast from one of the executive team on a monthly or a quarterly basis, mm. you do that every month, every quarter. If you're doing a personal check-in one-on-one or skip one-on-one, which are quite effective mm. with teams every quarter or every six months, you've got to make sure you're consistent and you don't cancel those. So there's a whole ramification around this concept of being consistent in our communication. And the the I is immediate, so timely. So new news, how can you get it out quickly? So that new news ranges from things of we're launching a new product or we're launching a new service. So it could be really upbeat, positive news. We're hiring someone new or someone's departing the organization. How do we make it immediate? So I often talk about when you think about our communication, how do we maximize the personal piece, the accuracy, the consistency, and the immediacy of our communication? Yeah, I love that. And is there another one, just thinking, DB, that you know we can send out emails and, and podcasts and all that stuff, which is awesome, but there's something about that face-to-face, leaders getting out there and getting face-to-face with people as well. Yeah, and that's in my personal bucket. I think you, and it sort of links back to that leadership and coach, coaching. Mm. I often get tired, tired that I'm a bit older, but I still think you can't beat face-to-face, mm. that personal connection. Mm. If it's not face-to-face, it's voice-to-voice, which is probably the next rung down. Mm-hmm. So I can't see you, but I'm talking to you and I can hear, hear what you're feeling, what's going on. And then you get into the, the next tranche of, all right, we're now using media, social media or some type of platform to push our message out. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Face-to-face do is you, pivotal. Do you think as well there's like a, I don't know what the word is, equality or, <laughs> or something? Because sometimes in these organizations where you've got a really diverse workforce, some parts can feel left out or ignored compared to others like, Oh yeah, the the lead like the executive team always go and talk to people in the office, for instance, but don't come and talk to the field workers. You know, there can be a kind of this us and them can start coming out. So how do you tackle that through the comms maybe that you do? Yeah, it's a excellent question. And the bigger the organization, the bigger the challenge. Mm. Um, because time is limited and time's a very valuable asset. So for a CEO or an executive team to visit every potential site is, for some organizations, would be physically impossible in a 
defined calendar period of 12 sure. months or whatever it might be. So the question becomes, how might we touch every site? So do we divide and conquer as an executive team? Right. Do we broaden our communication expectations and responsibilities so we go beyond the executive team to the senior leadership team and make sure every site is touched and we know that that's part of our drum and part of our communication. I work with one client where um, it's an expectation for the, the senior executive and effectively at a state level to uh, visit every site in that state on a quarterly basis. It's impossible for one person. One person, but now the CEO can't, but now they're divided and conquered. Right. So in this case, the listener said there's 30, 30 plus sites. So let's just say 30 sites, which for one person is a lot of sites. It's a lot of work. But I guess if there's a team of six of you. It's only five sites. It's five sites. Yep. Team of 10, three sites. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> and it's, it's the power of being personal. Mm. And often, you know, the, the road shows, the executive team are coming. Everything will look perfect. The leader of that site won't want anything to go wrong. Mm. And it's probably a one-off event. Everywhere smells like fresh paint or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what they say about the queen? Yeah, potentially. But if it was 10 leaders across 30 sites, yeah. they could potentially do one a quarter. Yeah. So they actually do 100 and 120 visits in a year because mm. they're only doing three sites a quarter mm. and they could go to different sites. Mm. So the challenge I'd put to, as you get bigger, how do we be a bit more creative mm. about how we cut that piece to do the communication that hits the the personal, accurate, consistent, and immediate. So DB, if we've said we've defined the culture during the culture sprint, so this is the culture that's going to bring out the best in me and how we're going to perform at our best. We've talked about communication channels and so on, but when it comes to the actual, what are the things we're going to work on, the actions, how do you do that in a cohesive way across a, such a broad, diverse organization? Yeah, really good question. And I think the broader systemic actions might be consistent. So there might be some actions around how do I link the purpose of the organization to my role and the mm -hmm. purpose. There might be some consistency around how we reward and recognize. Mm -hmm. There might be consistency around communication practices or involvement in certain decisions. So that might, they might be more broader organizational dynamics. But I think some of the actions are actually going to be quite specific and unique to the subculture. And that might touch on some of those variables I just talked about, but there might be other variables as well around how does my role fit in? So get into some of the job design aspects. Uh -huh. So we might actually look at the feedback I get from the job, or we might look at the autonomy I have in the role, or the level of variety I have in the role. Uh -huh. So I think we've, we've got to strike this balance that it's not one size fits all at a subculture level. There'll be some systemic actions we can take. But then what are the unique actions that we can take? And the challenge I'd say is how do we keep them visible and alive? Uh. So it becomes part of my job, not another job. Uh. And one of the challenges is that we don't want culture to be this other job to do. It's part of the job. Yeah. And would you ever, so they talked about that the organizations in the passive defensive space, could you align the subunits around, hey, we want to build an achievement culture, for instance, we want to boost our achievement style and our culture. Now, what that action is specifically at a subunit level may be different for those, you know, they do different stuff. Absolutely. 
you could definitely do that. And if you followed that analogy, you could actually look at goal setting, mm. which is achievement focused. Mm. So we're going to look at goals and the goals we're going to have and mm. the measurement of those goals and then how we review the goals. Mm. The goals themselves might be unique to the Totally unit, different, yeah. But goal setting as a theme is quite, right. co- quite consistent. So the theme's the same, the, the specifics yeah. under it are different. Yeah. Yeah. So we might address, if we stay on the achievement vein, we might look at planning. Mm. So how are we going to plan for the week, the month, the quarter? Mm. So the theme might be planning, but the contents of the plan could quite be unique to the area. Yeah. I'll stay on that theme and we'll go to problem solving. Mm. So how do we troubleshoot, learn from the past? And we might have a general theme and practices and processes around how we troubleshoot and collect mm. data, mm. but the content of the problem solving will be quite unique. Mm. So there'll be some themes we're developing, could be organizational wide, but the specifics of each unit will be unique to the unit. Right. So it sounds like problem solving, the core behaviors, the core competencies could be consistent, but obviously the problems they're solving are going to be quite different. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. The other one, and for this listener, where the culture's people-centric, being more passive than task-centric, mm. I think achievements are a good call. But how do you help them understand their impact, their role, and allow them to coach and grow and develop a bit more? Mm. So what can they do differently in their role? Mm. So they, depending, and you have to, I, I'm a data geek, I'd like to look at the profile. So if the listener's listening, and yeah, please, send please, through the profile. please send through your profile. Where is it strongest? If it's in that uh, avoidance-dependent approach, I'd take a slightly different tact if it was conventional and approval. So if it's in the avoidance approach, people are not voicing their opinions. They, they feel they need to be somewhat invisible, wait for others independent speak. Mm. With that, I'd be probably looking to, all right, how do we recognize the strengths of individuals and your contribution, making it really personal and what difference you could make. If it was more around the rules, I'd be challenging them to look beyond the rules. How do we adapt? It's not about breaking the rules, but understanding the why behind the rule. Mm. So I would suggest they look at the items and see what's actually driving some of their stronger styles Mm. and seeing what insights they can get out of those items. Mm and then build a plan or a strategy to adapt to that mm. at both an organizational level and at a subunit level. They mm. might be able to see some subtle differences mm. by looking at the data. Mm. It's Cluedo, remember? It's Cluedo. You've got to put it all together. You've got to put it together. Yeah. It's, uh, that's why it's, it's powerful. And we are fortunate enough, a few podcasts ago, um, we had Lynn from Ari. She talked about yeah. a holistic approach and living organisms. Mm. And I think that's a really good summary. You've got to you've got to take this holistic approach, but it's a living organism. There are different components to living organism. Mm. We want them all to work. So in some respects, each unit's a different component of the body. It only works well when all organisms work well. Mm. So we want the heart to be pumping strong, and that might be part of the business. We want the brain to be healthy. We want the lungs to be healthy. We want our intestines to be healthy. So we want to get all aspects to be 100% healthy so it might mean you need to target and work on specific activities for different parts. Uh-huh. So it's an analogy between the human body and the organ and the organization being an organism. I um, mean that. And then speaking to that, there may be some things at the organizational level, like purpose that you talked about. So how are we aligning to purpose, which is part of people identifying as well as a 
whole organization. But it's not just, we can't just sheep dip every subunit for the same solution because the subunit level, there'll be different things that they need to look at and work on. Yeah. So my link, go back to the living organism, the human body, exercise, diet, losing weight could be good for good everything. For, good for everything. Yeah. But there might be some very unique things that are, you could do so that it will stimulate the brain, stimulate the lungs, stimulate the heart, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and organizations have these unique parts as well. Mm. I might have to do something different in a unit in Western Australia versus a unit in New South Wales or Queensland or Victoria or mm. South Australia or our friends in Tassie. Better hit Northern Territory and Capital Territory as well. Covered every, everyone off there. Yeah. Everybody. You covered your bases, you're safe. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think, you know, those are some great ideas. I hope, you know, some of those stuck for our listener and for others out there who are dealing with these kind of complex organizations, which I think are pretty common where we've got a mix of, you know, really diverse workforce doing different stuff. It's an absolutely awesome question. I think I'd close by saying embrace the, uh, the challenge of subcultures. Mm. Organizations are diverse and wonderful beasts. And I think they all, this is a very good example that all organizations face. And you talked about the medical yeah. team you're working with now. But, um, and even with like purely white collar or, you know, whatever, they still have subcultures between sales and finance or whatever. They'll still have their own subcultures. A hundred percent. Yeah. Subcultures uh, definitely exist. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, DB. Thanks for your time. Absolutely, Dom. Happy to be in the studio with you anytime. And if you're a listener out there and you've got a question for us, let us know. We'd love to answer them. Uh, you can email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. All right, DB. Till next time. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyright by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.